From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Once again, to Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages from the ministry of Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. On today's broadcast, Dr. Cairns will continue this series of studies in the life and earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of the great 19th century English preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled Necessary Knowledge. The text is found in Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 30. Thus shall they know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and that they, even the house of Israel, are my people, saith the Lord God. To be the Lord's own people is a choice blessing, but to know that we are such is a comfortable blessing. It is one thing to hope that God is with us, and another thing to know that He is so. Faith saves us, but assurance satisfies us. We take God to be our God when we believe in Him, but we get the joy of Him when we know He is ours and that we are His. No believer should be content with hoping and trusting. He should ask the Lord to lead him on to full assurance, so that matters of hope may become matters of certainty. It is when we enjoy covenant blessings and see our Lord Jesus raised up for us as a plant of renown that we come to a clear knowledge of the favor of God toward us. Not by law, but by grace do we learn that we are the Lord's people. Let us always turn our eyes in the direction of free grace. Assurance of faith can never come by the works of the law. It is an evangelical virtue, and can only reach us in a gospel way. Let us not look within. Let us look to the Lord alone. As we see Jesus, we shall see our salvation. Lord, send us such a flood tide of thy love that we shall be washed beyond the mire of doubt and fear.
In these days when the forces of evil are devastating our land, God's people need to pray. More than that, we must engage in united prayer. Just as the apostles and the early church were of one accord gathering for prayer, the cry for our day must be, Let us pray. To encourage the Lord's people to this end, Let the Bible Speak is pleased to offer a publication entitled, The Case for United Prayer. Presented within its pages are excerpts from the works of Jonathan Edwards, Samuel Prime, and Pastor Richard Cross. The centerpiece of the book is Samuel Prime's first-hand account of the famous New York City prayer meetings of 1857, begun by one man, Jeremiah Lamphere. This simple effort was blessed by God until prayer meetings sprang up all over the nation and ushered in a mighty revival that spread across the sea to Great Britain, culminating in the great 1859 revival in Northern Ireland. To obtain your copy of The Case for United Prayer free of charge, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak. 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of The Case for United Prayer. As Dr. Cairns continues these studies in the life and earthly ministry of Christ, he continues with the theme, Jesus Christ, Man's Only Point of Contact with God. Matthew chapters 10 and 11 are a record of Christ's ministry in Galilee following the Sermon on the Mount. Part of the narration involves the Lord's reassurance to John the Baptist that Jesus is the true Messiah. As such, He is the only way for men to come to God. In John 14 and verse 6, Christ told Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It is this truth about Christianity that the world hates. Now here is Dr. Cairns to begin his second message on the theme, Jesus Christ, man's only point of contact with God. Those with good memories may recollect that I pointed out that chapters 10 and 11 in Matthew describe the events with which Christ climaxed his first great Galilean ministry. When you read these chapters, the events and the sayings in them seem at first sight to be more or less unconnected, except possibly by time. But when you look at them a little more closely, you find that there is a theme that runs through a connecting thread. 
that runs through all these passages. And uh, it is indeed one of the great truths of Scripture, one of the central truths of the gospel revelation. I put it this way, that in Matthew 10 and 11, the truth that ties all the events and sayings together is the truth that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only point of contact between man and God. And you'll find that as you read these chapters, the seemingly unconnected events actually reflect each in its own way upon this central theme. So what we're dealing with at this point in the studies of the life of Christ is the subject, the Lord Jesus Christ, the only means of communion or communication between God and man. That means, first and foremost, we must emphasize this because without this, You'll never understand the Bible, and without this, you have no gospel. God reveals himself to men solely, exclusively, in the Lord Jesus Christ and through the Lord Jesus Christ. The only line of communication between God and men is the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to get off on a tangent when I'm only mentioning the subject, but immediately it will suggest itself to some people, does not the Bible say that the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork, is the natural creation not a line of communication? No, it is not. It is a revelation. It is light. But I ask you, what use is light to a blind man? God communicates solely through Christ. God does reveal himself in the heavens above and in the earth beneath. But have you never stopped to think? that you have never once known of a man, either in Scripture or out of Scripture, saved by contemplating the sun, the moon, the stars, and the earth. Never one. Unless God brings him to Christ, he will never, never be brought into saving communication with God. There's nothing wrong with the revelation in nature. There's nothing lacking in it for the purposes for which it was intended. But there's nothing saving in it either. God communicates solely through Christ. And even if we're to understand nature aright, we must have the grace that's in Christ. Because, as I have quoted many, many times, it's in him that God gives you sight to see the light. So when I say that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is the only means of communion and communication between God and man, I'm saying first God reveals himself to man and communicates with man savingly only in Christ. The second thing I'm saying is that man can go to God 
solely and exclusively through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is one God, says Paul, and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. When Job cried for a day's man, for one to stand between him and God, for one to allow him to approach God and to be able to commune with God, he was putting his finger on the greatest need of the human soul, a day's man with God, a way of communion with God. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way by which men can approach to God. So the only means of communion and communication between God and man is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the truth that binds the events of Matthew 10 and 11 together. Now, about a month ago, we looked in chapter 10, and we saw this truth opposed. And that presented us with the picture of Christ as the divider of men. Now, coming to chapter 11, we will see in the first six verses this truth established. And here Christ is presented as the promised Messiah. The opening of chapter 11 is rather a disturbing passage on many levels. Uh, we find that John the Baptist was in prison. His disciples were still out and about, and obviously they were still able to make contact with him. John, however, lay languishing in the prison. His public ministry was over. At no doubt, like any other man of action, being shut up in a little prison cell was something that didn't sit well with John. He chafed under that loneliness, more than that, under that inactivity, under that debilitating feeling that it's all over. My usefulness is gone. While he was out actively in the work, he could see the crowds go away and go to Christ, and he could do that with equanimity and even with joy. He said, this my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He could rejoice as he was out and about serving the Lord and seeing what God was doing through the Lord Jesus Christ. But shut up in a dank prison cell, cut off from all his old uh, service for God and his public work in establishing the credentials of Christ before the people, John became more than a little depressed. That gives me a little confidence, a little hope. You know, when you get depressed, you think, I'm the only one gets depressed. I'm the only one ever gets down under it. You have the feeling, if I were right with God, I wouldn't feel this way and couldn't feel this way. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ is about to go on not to condemn John, but to commend him in the highest terms in which he ever commended any man. And yet we find John was depressed. Not only depressed, but it would seem to me that uh, unbelief had begun to eat at John. He lost sight of the promises 
the certainties with which God had launched him upon his ministry. Now, that is a very serious thing to say. It's so serious indeed that many very good commentators shy away from coming to that conclusion. Bishop Rye, for example, believes that John uh, sent his disciples to ask this question not because he was depressed or defeated or because he was in unbelief or in any uncertainty, but so as just to bolster the faith of his disciples. I would like to think that, but I don't see anything whatsoever in the passage to suggest it. If that were the case, I think the Lord Jesus, knowing it full well, would have addressed the disciples of John, and he would have sought to comfort them and establish them in the faith and overcome their doubts and fears. But rather, he sent them back and said, go and tell John. It was John who needed the message. It was John who was depressed. It was John who was down. It was John who was unbelieving. And that gave the Lord Jesus Christ a glorious opportunity to send the answer that will always meet you when you're down and defeated. And that's an understanding of himself. He said, go and show John again. Now, I'm getting a little off my my subject when I stop here, but I want to do it because the Bible's a living book. You don't do it any good when preachers come and they get so cut and dried with their little outlines that they can't stop and understand what God is saying. Go and show John again. Does it not remind you of when Peter fell much more grievously than John? Go and tell my disciples. And Peter, tell him again. Can I say to you this morning, if you're here and your heart is heavy and you feel that you've lost out with God, you've lost the vision, you've lost the comfort, you've lost the joy, you've lost the drive, you've lost even the certainty, and the devil comes to you and the, the thought arises in your mind, there's no way back for me. It's all finishing. Listen, even if life is ebbing away, the Lord Jesus says, go and tell him again. There's a word of comfort. There's a word of grace. There's a word of kindness. There's a word to build you up. There's a word to restore you. There's a word to rekindle the flame. There's a word to give you certainty where now there's uncertainty. The Lord Jesus does not give people up easily. How can I give you up? He says, go and tell him again. Some of you here this morning, well, let me rephrase that. For I'm not speaking to you from outside the circle. Some of us here this morning need the word again. What a comfort it is in the midst of all your failures and all your follies and all your backsliding and all your unbelief that the Lord Jesus sends a word and he says go and tell him again
tell him again. Could we extrapolate from this and say, Jesus sends the word to you and me this morning. Tell him again of the love of God in Christ. Tell him again of the power of the blood that was shed at Calvary. Tell him again of the mighty grace that the Holy Spirit brings, of the sanctifying power, of the victory that he gives. Tell him again that he doesn't need to live in memories, but he can live in the reality of an up-to-date experience of all that there is in Christ. Go and tell him again. Is there a word there for you this morning? I trust there is. Most of all, go and tell him again, says Jesus, of what you know of me. Get his eyes off the prison cells and get his eyes on Christ. I don't want to rehash what I preached a year or two back when I preached on this passage in Matthew 11, on the kingdom of heaven suffering violence the violent taking it by force. We looked at that whole passage. I think that there is a good reason to believe that John was misunderstanding the whole purpose of God in Christ. I think there's good reason to believe that John had a vision of Christ coming with judgment. As he understood the, the role of the Messiah, There was to be a judgment, and yet he wasn't seeing that in the ministry of Christ. As I say, I don't want to rehash all that we covered then, but the Lord Jesus Christ's answer was ideally situated or purposed to to answer because he quoted from a passage, or he made reference in in what he was saying to, to passages in the Old Testament that were telling John, John, I know what I'm about. I'm fulfilling what God said. But what you're seeing now is not the end of the story. The judgment is coming. I am the promised Messiah. Get your eyes on that. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, 
www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we let the Bible speak. Thank you.